Jesus fulfilled 108 prophecies when He came the first time. Anyone who thinks that is an accident knows nothing, absolutely nothing, about the laws of probability. Prophecy is proof positive that Jesus was God in the flesh. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm delighted to have two colleagues with me on the set today. The first is my former associate evangelist, Dennis Pollock. Dennis serves now as the founder and director of Spirit of Grace Ministries located in McKinney, Texas. It is an evangelistic and healing ministry that's aimed primarily at Africa. Welcome back, Dennis. Thanks, Always Dave. good to have you on the set. Great to and be And of course, with you. the other person on the set here is Nathan Jones. Nathan is uh, our co-host of this program. He's also an evangelist for this ministry and a web minister. He is our web minister who is on that website every day answering questions about Bible prophecy and assisting people all over the world in defending the faith. Nathan, always glad to have you here with us. Thank you, sir. Now, folks, every year at Christmas, I am reminded of the remarkable prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus and how they substantiate His deity and the faithfulness of God. In this program, we're going to take a look at some of those prophecies. The first that come to mind are those that establish the general time period when the Lord would appear. There are two in particular I'd like for us to consider. The first is Genesis 49.10. Tell us about that one. Well, let me read it to you. Genesis 49.10 reads, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now, when you think of a king, you usually think of a crown and a throne, but kings will also hold a scepter, and the person who holds the scepter is the one who controls the power. Now, the line of King David was through the tribe of Judah, and they held the power. Now, this is the power to make laws. It was also the power to uh, do capital punishment against their prisoners. Now, the Jewish people throughout history had the right and power to put to death those that had disobeyed their laws until Shiloh came. Now, who is Shiloh? Shiloh is a Messianic term for the Messiah. It's another name for the Messiah. Now, it's interesting, when Jesus arrived on the scene, up to that point, the Sanhedrin still had the power to put people to death. But when the Romans took over, they took that power away from the Jewish people, and hence, when they wanted to crucify Jesus, they went to Pontius Pilate to get permission to kill Jesus, because they had lost the power. The scepter had been removed from Judah. And that's the exact time Shiloh showed up, Shiloh being Jesus Christ. Okay. Now there's another one that uh, has to do with the general time period of the Messiah, and that is one in Daniel, in uh, Daniel chapter 9, I believe it is, the uh, prophecy of the 70 weeks of years. Dennis, how does that set the time for the coming of the Messiah? Yeah, it's an amazing prophecy. It's actually one given by the angel Gabriel, and he comes and appears to Daniel while he's doing some intense praying and declares a, a number of things. But the, the thing that we're focusing on here is that after a, a, a seven sevens and 62 sevens would be 483 years, if you uh, count it that way, uh, Messiah will be cut off. And so the Messiah is going to die. An amazing prophecy that declares Messiah is going to come, he's going to die, which a lot of the Jews you know, couldn't accept. But it tells us the timing, and it says it would, the time would start 
when there was a command given to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild its walls? Well, they've done some complicated trying, uh, figuring, but uh, when, it, when you start that general time period of when the command was given to rebuild Jerusalem and you take it 483 years, you end up right at the time of Jesus, right at the time of His death. It's an amazing prophecy. And again, He's the only one that could possibly, uh, this could possibly refer to. So, Jesus came precisely on time. Now, Nathan, the world would shout, coincidence, coincidence, uh, that's all in the world there is to it. But you know better than that because you've done quite a lot of study of coincidence and probability in Scripture. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's awfully hard to have a coincidence showing up 483 years <laughs> when you need to be. But uh, I'm not a mathematician, but there is a mathematician who's passed away now, but his name was Peter Stoner. Excellent, brilliant mind. And he could take complicated math and turn it into easy understand. And he said that there was 108 distinct Messianic prophecies for Jesus Christ. Now, what are the chances of just eight being fulfilled in the life of one man? So he did all the math, and he found out that it's 1 in 10 to the 17th power. That is a 1 followed by 17 zeros. That's a big wow. number. Now, that's a big number. We can't grasp. That, and that's not 108. That's just eight. That's just eight of the 108, right. <laughs> so he brought it down to where I'm at to explain it. And he said this is what it would be like. He said it would be like taking the entire state of Texas, and it's a big state, and you fill it two feet deep with silver dollars. Then you mark one coin, and you throw it out airplane, it falls in there, and then you churn it all with bulldozers, and it's totally buried somewhere. You take a blind man, you drop him in there, he reaches down, he picks up, and what is the first coin? That's the one with the mark. That is 1 in 10 <laughs> to the 17th power. Impossible. It would have to be divine for that to happen, and it was. It was so Jesus we're Christ. not talking about coincidence here. We're not talking about coincidence whatsoever, <laughs> and that's just eight of the 108 prophecies. Well, you know, uh, uh, Nathan, uh, you got so intrigued with this particular prophecy that uh, you put together uh, uh, what did you call it, an insight? Bible Prophecy Insight A Bible video. Prophecy Insight. I wanted to, it's such a wonderful illustration, it needed to be put visually for people to see. And folks, these are a series of uh, uh, videos that Nathan has produced. You can find them on our website. Just go there and look uh, under media and look for insights. And these are all one minute long. And uh, they are incredible. Uh, we'll just give you an example of what we're talking about here. I want to show them the um, insight video that you put together concerning this particular illustration. So here it is, folks. I'm Nathan Jones with your Bible Prophecy Insight. Can math prove the accuracy of Bible prophecy? Well, let's start with just eight of the 108 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus' life. Mathematician Peter Stoner calculated that the probability of all eight being fulfilled in the life of one person is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's 17 zeros. That'd be like filling the entire state of Texas two feet deep in quarters. Mark just one, throw it in. The odds would be like walking for days. And then the very first coin picked up, that would be the one with the mark. Impossible, right? Well, not if the Bible is truly God's word. To learn more about Bible prophecy, visit us at lamblion.com.
Wow, that was some illustration uh, that you gave there. And you know, I've always wondered about uh, that. Uh, did you have a headache after all those coins fell on your head? <laughs> well, luckily they're just computer animated. Yes, and, and that animator is a wonderful Christian man. Let's give him some credit there. Ralph Streen of Sevenfold Films, a former Disney animator who gave his life to the Lord, and now he does movies particularly about the creation. And you did a whole series of those Insight programs with him. One minute uh, clips that can be used in teaching, can be used in sermons, and they're all on our website. And also now you're doing some new ones called inbox videos that are a little bit longer. A little longer, yeah. Well, uh, they're very well done. Okay, folks, uh, we have taken a look at the timing of the Lord's birth. Let's take a brief break, break, and when we come back, we will consider other Old Testament prophecies related to the birth of Jesus. back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of the birth of Jesus and the prophecies concerning Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, fellas, uh, one of the most remarkable Old Testament prophecies related to the birth of Jesus is the one that's found in Micah 5.2. And uh, we've already looked at that, but let's look at it again. Micah sure. 5.2. Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. And like we said last week, Bethlehem Ephrathah is the location, the city where the Messiah would be born. Not just any Bethlehem, there was two of them in Israel. This is Bethlehem Ephrathah, and that would be the birthplace of the Messiah. And this is written 700 years yeah, before Micah was the birth of 700 Jesus. years before And he Jesus. says he's going to be born in Bethlehem Ephrathah. And most people don't even know what that means. That refers to the area around Jerusalem. And it'd be like if I ask you where you're born and you said Springfield, I'd have to ask you another question because there's a Springfield in almost every state of the United States. In fact, there's probably one in every state. <laughs> and, and so you would have to say Springfield, Missouri or Springfield, Illinois or whatever. Well, there were two Bethlehems in Israel. And he doesn't just say Bethlehem. He says Bethlehem Ephrathah, 700 years before Jesus was born. And you know, Dennis, one of the things that gets me about that is how different that is from the modern, more recent prophecies of people like Nostradamus, mm. which are so vague, vague and so general and so mushy that you have no idea what they mean. And people take them and just apply them to all kinds of things. But these are precise yeah. prophecies. And you know, the Jews accepted this, believed it, and in fact used it as an argument against Jesus being the Messiah. They said, well, don't you realize that the Bible says he's supposed to come out of Bethlehem and this guy's not from Bethlehem? Well, they didn't have all their facts straight. He was yes. born in Bethlehem. <laughs> so, uh, but they believed yeah, it. Yeah, they thought he came out of Nazareth. Yeah. Know, but uh, he was born in Bethlehem. Well, let's take a look at some other Old Testament prophecies that relate to the uh, birth of Jesus. Uh, for example, in Numbers 2417, the very ancient prophecy, what does that have Yeah, this is uh, by a fellow named Balaam, who was a very strange character, sure uh, and, and was not a Jew, but he, he seemed to sometimes get it right somehow. <laughs> and he said uh, in 2417, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of tumult. Well, Jesus was that star, was that scepter, but uh, in a sense, there's a double meaning here, yes. because Jesus was the star, and yet there was a literal star that showed up at the birth of Jesus Christ. And evidently this was uh, shared with, when the Jews were in uh, uh, the cap Babylonian captivity. They must have shared some of these verses uh, and their scriptures must have become known to some of the people there because later on people from Persia, from that area, mm -hmm. were looking for that star. 
Yeah, exactly. The, the, the wise men were looking for it and, and saw what they felt was it, and they were right. <laughs> they got uh, it right. Another one is in Psalm 72. What's that all about, uh, Nathan? Well, that's about Christmas gifts. Why do we <laughs> give Christmas gifts at Christmas time? Mm-hmm. Because the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. Now, that's, them bringing gifts is important because it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Well, the Psalm 72 says the kings of Tarshish and of the Isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts, yet all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. So the kings will bring gifts to the the Messiah. We're actually in prophecy. Yes. Okay, and then uh, Dennis, how about Hosea 11.1? Yeah, Hosea 11.1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Of course, you know, this can go backwards and point to the fact that uh, Israel was brought out of Egypt. But it goes forwards and declares that his son will be out of Egypt. And one thing you need to we need to point out here is that when you look at these prophecies, you know, we would like it better if they were all concentrated into a prophecy section and have about five good chapters and say, now this refers to this and so forth. But instead, they're randomly scattered throughout the scripture. So if you're determined to believe that there isn't a Messiah or you just don't want to acknowledge Jesus is the Messiah, you can just say, well, that doesn't probably mean too much, and this doesn't probably mean too much and you can deny it. But for those who have an eye to see, they will recognize that when you put them all together, mm-hmm. they can speak of no one else but Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, Nathan, how about Jeremiah 31, a very grim prophecy? It is grim. Jeremiah 31, 15, excuse me, Jeremiah 31, 15 reads, Thus says the Lord, A voice is, was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, it, it's in context, it's a little difficult to understand. We're talking about Rachel. We're talking about Rama. We're talking about the area of Bethlehem, yes. the land of yes. Bethlehem. Now, remember when the Magi went back to King Herod, or, or excuse me, first met Herod, they told him that the Messiah would be born in this town. And King Herod, in response, then had ordered that all the children to and under were to be killed in Bethlehem in the land of Ramah, Rachel weeping for her children because they were all murdered. Wow. So these are prophecies contained in the Old Testament written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And it's amazing when you see that. You know, uh, uh, we're talking here about prophecies that relate to His birth, but one that comes to mind that uh, to me one of the most remarkable prophecies in all the Old Testament is in uh, Psalm 22 yeah. where it talks about the Messiah will die by having his hands and feet pierced. And the way that they executed people at the time that was written, a thousand years before Jesus was by stoning them to death. A thousand years later, still stoning them to death, the Jews. But as you said, the Jews had lost their power to execute people. So they had to go to the Romans. And the Romans used crucifixion. And his hands and feet were pierced just as prophesied a thousand years before. I, I just never cease to be amazed at the oh, preciseness of these prophecies and how anybody can read those and say, well, it's just all a coincidence or, or read them and not believe. I just don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was talking about how it'd be nice if they're all in one section. There is one fairly lengthy section of the Old Testament where it goes into much, much detail. And you can hardly deny it. And that's Isaiah 53, oh, yes. oh, where yeah. it speaks about how the Messiah would die. I mean, it is so plain. It is so clear. Who but Jesus of Nazareth would qualify for that type of death? Well, I want to take another brief break. And when we come back, I want to take a look at New Testament prophecies that have to do with the birth of Jesus, because there were quite a number of them, and nearly all of them, amazingly, were in songs that people sang. 
Welcome back to our discussion of Christmas in Bible prophecy. We've taken a look at a number of Old Testament prophecies that relate to the birth of Jesus. Now, I would like for us to shift to the New Testament and consider a series of prophecies that also relate to the Savior's birth. I tell you what, fellas, let's start with the prophecy that uh, Gabriel gave to Mary, what we call the Annunciation, where he announces that the Messiah is coming and he makes some interesting prophecies. Oh, he does. Uh, you can find this in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. It starts, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed, and so forth and so on. Mm. And basically Gabriel tells Mary, Hello, highly favored one, you are about to give birth to the Messiah. And she says, Me? I'm a virgin? What? No. So there's quite a number of different points that are messianic okay. in their fulfillment of prophecy. For one, that she would, of course, give birth to the Messiah, that the baby, of course, would be a boy. Gabriel didn't say, Hey, you're going to have a girl, or we're not sure, you're <laughs> definitely going to have a boy. And they even gave him a name. The name of the baby would be Jesus, which, which is really fantastic. The salvation of God. Yeah. And he'd be mm -hmm. the son of the Most High God. He wouldn't be any baby, but the son of the Most High God. Yeah. And every one of those prophecies was precisely fulfilled. Exactly. 100%. Okay, what about Mary's song that she sang to Elizabeth when she visited Elizabeth? She was still pregnant at that time. She was, and uh, it's, it's such a beautiful song. I mean, it's, it's poetry, it's, it's, it's a song, it's, it's, it's anointed, it is a, a, pro a prophetic uh, song. And shows that she was a person who really knew the scriptures. Boy, it does. You know, I mean, obviously it would be possible for God to just inject those words into her mouth, but that's not normally the way he works. Yeah. Chances are she did know the Bible, and probably that had something to do with why the angel says you're highly favored of God. Here's a young lady. How many young ladies today or in any generation are Bible students? Especially uh, at the age of 13 or yeah, 14. She was, and so, yeah, she's quoting scriptures. She's saying, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And it is just, it is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful poetry. It's anointed. Uh, this was a special young lady. Maybe, <laughs> you know, Gabriel called her highly favored one. You know, she did ask, uh, How can this be? And later, when Zacharias has, uh, or earlier, when Zacharias had his uh, experience, uh, you know, he asked, Give me a sign. With Mary, uh, the angel was rather gentle and just said, uh, well, uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. With Zacharias, it was like, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and you're not going to speak for a while, fella. So maybe it was because she was so highly favored. He, he gave her a pass on that one. Well, that, that really is interesting. Uh, you know, she's, she even makes some very specific prophecies uh, in that uh, particular song. She says that he will bring down rulers, he'll exalt the humble, he'll fill the hungry, yeah. uh, on and on. And they're all in the what we call the proliptic tense, which is uh, something that most people aren't aware of. Sounds like something you take when you've got a sore throat. Yeah, yeah, well, not exactly. <laughs> it, it's when God speaks of the future, something's going to happen in the future, but He says it in the past tense as if it's already happened, yeah. because as far as He's concerned, it has, right. because it will. Sure. And, and it sometimes it's confusing. Yeah. But uh, all of that song is in that particular tense. And one thing in particular I want us to note there. Notice how the song begins. Read the very first verse of how the song begins. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. Yeah. Just like I need a Savior, and you need a Savior. And yet many teach that Mary never sinned and had no need yeah. for a Savior or whatever. But Mary was a sinner just like all of us. And yeah, there, there's that song, Mary, Don't You Know? And, and I love the line that says, uh, The child whom you delivered will soon deliver you. Wow. So Absolutely. she delivered Jesus, he delivered her. Great song by Matt Lowry, you know. It's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, I, I just get goosebumps when I hear that song. Beautiful song. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to the uh, song that uh, Zacharias sang when uh, John the Baptist was born. I mean, he had a son now. He had gone all of his life, he and his wife, and she had a barren womb, and then suddenly, bang, here's a son. And he's so excited. He is. And he's he, so excited he, he can't say anything yeah. about and it. And he begins well, yeah. to prophesy in yeah. this. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, the angel, because he didn't believe, took his voice away until the uh, he was be born. And when he was born, he could finally speak. And what does he do? He has a song in Luke 1, 67 through 79. He says, Blesses the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited, redeemed his people. And he goes on and on. And he talks about how Jesus would be the horn of salvation, that John the Baptist, his own son, would pave the way for the Messiah. Yeah, prophesies to his son. Fulfilling the forerunner prophecy. And the Messiah would be the sunrise from on high, would bring light to the world. And Jesus did all of that and still continues to do that today. Yeah. And he gives that the, the line uh, that uh, the Messiah would give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. It's amazing he had that insight. Obviously, yes. it was given by the Holy Spirit. Yes. That this is not just somebody going to liberate Israel from Rome, right. which yes. is what everybody was expecting. But he's going to liberate people from their sins, which Amen. is exactly Amen. why Christ came. Well, how about those poor shepherds out <laughs> in that field who were scared witless? Can you imagine how scary that must when suddenly the whole sky is lit up with angels who are singing and in Luke 2, beginning with eight, uh, verse 8, uh, how about that, uh, Nathan? The angels at Bethlehem. The angels at and Bethlehem. There, and there's prophecies in what they had to say. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And it goes on, if you've watched Charlie Brown from the 60s, <laughs> they tell that story every year. But the angels proclaimed that Jesus was coming. He would be the Savior. Yeah. And they would find Him. They, they, go, go. they even that, told Him how to find Him. How to, he's in a manger, right? He's in an animal feeding trough. Go there and you I'm will see I'm glad you mentioned baby. that because when I was growing up, I always heard He was in a manger. And I thought a manger was a, was a, a place where they kept animals. But no, it's a feeding trough. It's a feeding trough. And mm-hmm. He's actually in the feeding trough. When we go to Israel, we often see feeding troughs carved out of rock and sometimes made of wood. But that's he was placed in a feeding trough, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm. And who would think? No one puts their baby in a feeding trough, <laughs> yet they knew to look for a baby in a feeding trough. <laughs> oh, boy. And then the song of Simeon. Now, who was Simeon to begin with? And, and what about his song? You'll find this in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Yeah. He was a remarkable man. In fact, if I remember right, he had been told through uh, some word of knowledge or whatever that he would live to see the Messiah. Exactly. And the Bible gives him a great commendation. It says he was just and devout. Uh, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's a special title for Jesus, the consolation of Israel. He was what Israel was desperately needing and wanting and would bring comfort and, and salvation to them. Yes. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, this is an old man. This is not a young guy. And uh, he sees uh, Mary and Joseph with the baby, bringing them in. And yeah, they were bringing for dedication. In they the were. Yes. And he instantly knows by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's all over the place in these things. Just, just giving prophecies, giving songs, giving, uh, filling people with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. But, you know, the Bible says, by the mouth of two or more witnesses, every word shall be established. But Jesus was so important. God didn't stop with just two or three witnesses. He was giving witness after witness after witness. And then you go on with the life of Jesus, the miracles. And then you even have the thief on the cross at his death who's seeing who Jesus is. All these witnesses. Old Testament witnesses and, and, and the, the, what went on in the New Testament, the miracles, 
witnesses saying to the world, shouting it, this is my son, listen to him, receive him. And today, if you want to know, is he legit or not, read the Bible. Look at the, not just one or two witnesses, not just some old fanatic somewhere saying, well, I think he might be the Messiah. But this plethora of witnesses, young, old, and in between, rich, poor, wise people, people that aren't so sharp, all getting the revelation, this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. And it's not just for the Jewish people. Verse 22 says, I like to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Yes. Yeah. Unheard of at that Unheard time. The Jewish of. people yeah. thought yeah. the Messiah was just Glory of Israel yeah. and the light of revelation to the Gentiles. Gentiles. So it's for everyone. We know, awesome. Dennis, I know that in your preaching and teaching, you've put a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit and you've done as much teaching on it as anybody I've ever known of. And in the whole Old Testament, it was so rare when the Holy Spirit came upon someone. It's just a very rare thing. Now, when it did, it was really something like Samson uh, yeah. uh, working by the power of the Holy Spirit and and uh, people like that. But in the New Testament, suddenly there's 400 years of silence and then suddenly, bang, it's like the Holy Spirit is just let loose. Yeah. And He's just touching people all over the place. It is, it is a whole new season. And, and God says, now here's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He said, they'll all know me. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, you had a few people. If you say, have you had any experience with the Holy Spirit? David said, yeah, yeah, he came upon me when that, that old yeah, man I wrote sat, poetry and, yeah, and all that. But under the New Testament, it's like every child, every woman, every man, every plumber, every doctor, every lawyer, every <laughs> bricklayer, every school teacher. If you're a Christian, if you know Christ, you have the right and the privilege and the blessing of having the Spirit of God come on you and live inside you. And the glorious thing is today, those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yes, to yeah, they get something the Old Testament saints didn't get. And that's why Jesus could say, uh, John the Baptist, greatest prophet ever, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater still mm -hmm. because of that indwelling spirit. As we bring our program to a close today, I have invited all of the staff members to join me here on the set. And you know, it's just a little bit scary to think that there's nobody behind the cameras, no one in the control room. Folks, we are on autopilot. And I'm say, as we say goodbye today from this program and as we say goodbye to the old year, I want us all to pause for a moment and join together in saying, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and a blessed New, new year. year. We want to pause for a moment in our study of Christmas and prophecy to introduce you to a very valuable Bible prophecy study resource. It is this publication which we call the Christ in Prophecy Study Guide. It took me seven years to produce this guide, which was originally published in 1987. My goal was to catalog every Messianic prophecy in the Old Testament concerning both the first and second advents of the Messiah. But the prophecies are more than just cataloged. They are arranged analytically by categories. Regarding the second coming prophecies, most people do not realize it, but there are many more prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures about the second coming than the first. These prophecies are outlined in this study guide in detail and are placed in chronological order according to the sequence in which they will most likely happen. In 1995, I started revising the guide and spent the next five years completely revising and expanding it to include the Messianic prophecies contained in the New Testament. The guide was then republished in an expanded second edition in 2001. The guide runs 150 pages in length and has a special binding that causes it to lie flat for easy access. It contains charts and diagrams. It contains both a topical index and a scripture index. This is the ideal handbook and study guide for any serious student of Bible. 
Bible prophecy. It can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Call the number you see on the screen and ask for the Prophecy Study Guide. As a bonus, we will send you a copy of a special publication entitled, Are You Ready for the Lord's Return? This is a great witnessing booklet since it discusses what constitutes a true Christian, one who is an heir to the biblical promise of everlasting life with our Creator. Again, just call the number you see on the screen and ask for offer number 797, The Prophecy Study Guide. And the second coming booklet can be yours for a gift of $20 or more. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 